everyone. This is Dr. Joan with Hey, I Am Listening. And we are here today with Janine Caprin. Uh, she's an entrepreneur. She is an accountant by profession. She is wife of Ian Caprin and two lovely children, Asia and London Sky. She was born in St. Vincent, migrated eventually to the Bahamas and has been a resident of Canada in the last four years. Janine, it is so good to have you here with me. Thank you for coming on board. It's my pleasure, Dr. Joan. Thanks for having me. You are welcome. So Janine, tell me, what are you passionate about? What drives you to get out of bed every morning? So first and foremost, my commitment to God, because I do believe that my life is a gift. Yes. Um, it's my way of honoring him by showing up every day. And then my commitment to my family, mainly my daughters, um, who I believe are looking at me for an example. So that pushes me to get out and get going every day. Lovely. I love it. So you name them Asia and London Sky. Tell me about London Sky. Where did the idea of London Sky come from? (laughs) So I love to travel. (laughs) One of my favorite things to do. In fact, it's one of the favorite things of my family to do. And we already had Asia. So we needed another place name. And London was the name that we both liked. Um, And then I just wanted something to go along with London. And Sky just seemed like the perfect combination, Um, especially that's where I look for my help, right? I look up. So it just embraced what she she meant to me. um, Lovely. Lovely. So the looking up, the looking up. So, you know, we're talking on this show about the builders in our community, those who have been born for a purpose, You know, we're 462 years um, in what I call mental, physical, sometimes, and then spiritual captivity, right? And I believe as a people, we're coming out of that, you know, but there's some people who have a part to play in ensuring that the enslavement just doesn't transition into something else, right? So I love the London and the fact that, you know, you're stretching yourself out, you know, into all of the different continents, but also that you're looking to the sky. So it, it kind of gives me the sense that you're a pretty hopeful person. Are you? Yes, I am. <laughs> All right. So hopeful people often have a lot of struggles as well, because you have to overcome and come into that place of, you know, the hope and consistently sitting in the hope. So talk to me about what the biggest struggle in your life is right now and that place that you're going to step into you know all the hope once you overcome it well um so I've been dealt some really tough hands in life from childhood um both my parents migrated when I was very young and I was raised by friends and family and I still maintain the relationship with my parents but that in itself was um, a trauma that I had to deal with. And then I endured, you know, coming face to face with death, um, losing my best friend, then losing my son. Um, So I've had some pretty tough experiences in life. 
And right now I am just on the journey to, you know, heal and to forgive and to be able to be my best self. Because on, unless I heal myself, I can't show up as my best self. So that's where I'm at right now. Absolutely. So the leaving, the leaving, you know, it shows up in so many different ways, right? Yeah. So you talked about your parents leaving um, and then having to grow up with folks who, were they family members or were they more uh, like community members? Some were friends like church family and some were actual biological family. Okay. And so the leaving in the early years is such a dominant theme for all of us in the Afro-Caribbean Black community, right? It's like people always seem to be leaving us, you know? And, and so how did you deal with the leaving? Well... I don't think I really dealt with it. I'm probably just dealing with it now. <laughs> um, I kind of just, you know, pushed through it. Um, I realized that I can change it. As a, as a child at that time, I can change my circumstance. And so I just positioned myself to just keep going, but still burying the impacts and the effects of what that leaving really meant in my life. So I am only now as an adult confronting what those impacts are and, you know, trying to deal with it head on. Right. So what were some of the impacts, you know, Um, because the leaving um, of a parent is one thing then the leaving through death is another. And then of course, you're now a parent and a child is leaving, right? And so we see that transition through different phases in the leaving process. So what was the impact? So the overall impact of all the leaving going on, um, I would think is this narrative that I wrote for myself that, you know, nothing good lasts and, um, you know, if it's good, it's, it's going to happen for a while and then it's going to go away. And I kind of just position myself to always expect that in my life. So even when great things happen, I am just sitting on the sidelines like, when is this going to end? What is going to happen? You know, um, the impact of my parents leaving, especially my mom, she was like my safety net. And so that I felt like that was just ripped from under me. And now I felt like I was literally alone, even though I was positioned in a family, um, I felt like I was by myself and it was just me against the world. And not that I think that she didn't do what she thought was best, but as a child, you know, that was really hard for me to just deal with at the time. So. Absolutely. And so, you know, the idea that you just said, you know, that we all write a story or a script that goes along with the leaving and your script might be different from my script, but nevertheless, it's there. It's an internal belief. And if we don't know that it actually exists, then we begin to manifest that all the time. Right? So like you said, you kind of, you see something good happening, 
but you're hunkering down and you're waiting and you're wondering, okay, when is it going to leave? Right. Mm-hmm. So, so as you go through your process, then what are you doing to kind of undo that belief? Like, how do you actively now like undo it where you actually can in a very deep, substantial kind of way, say to yourself, well, I deserve good things and this one should last. Like, how are, how are you doing that? So earlier this year, I, I, it became heavy on my mind that, you know, there was a lot of hidden stuff in my life that I, I'm very good at compartmentalizing, just pushing things on the side, right? Yes. And so I was like, you know, I need to really confront some of these things and I can't do it alone. Like I'm a very spiritual person, but I also feel like God has gifted professionals with the ability to reach deep down and help us to bring out what we need to bring out. So I went on a journey to find a therapist and I found you. (laughs) So um, it has been quite a journey. Um, Speaking mainly to that inner child that is really hurt and wounded and that I projected that was fine all along, but she really wasn't. Um, And just dealing with the hurts and the traumas that came along with my childhood and rewriting the narrative that I have previously written that, you know, good things can happen, will happen, do happen, and I am deserving of it. So that's where I'm at right now. Awesome. So then the next part of your journey was really this loss of, or you said you came face to face with death, right? right? What was that journey like? So we were on a church picnic. Um, it was a, a group of young people from our church. And on that day, we got into some difficulties in the water and my best friend, who was then the love of my life, um, went to help and he himself encountered difficulties and eventually drowned um, that day on the beach along with two other friends um, of mine. Wow. So you experience leaving abandonment. Now you experience leaving death. and. How does this look different in terms of its impact when you think about the two types of journeys? One is parent, one is now friend, boyfriend, you know, lover kind of. How how is it different in terms of the impact? I somehow feel like I was more impacted by that because I had, um, once we met and our friendship started growing, I was now in my mind, envisioning what, um, how I was going to correct the trauma and the hurt and the loneliness that I felt from my childhood. And right. so I built like an, a complete vision around this person and a life that I figured would have been the best life for me. And that day when he drowned, it's like everything just came crashing down. And I felt like that belief that I had from nine years old was then cemented at that moment that nothing good actually lasts, that good things come to an end at some point. And, you know, um, even though I kept moving and I kept living, I kept living with that same narrative throughout after that. 
At the point when that happened, I always talk about the death wish, you know, like that moment where it becomes too overwhelming, right? And it's that point where you're like, if this is what life is like, I don't want to live it. Is this where you make that wish? Yes. Okay. In that very moment, I just, I was like, Lord, take me. Or why not me? And I've asked that question. So it has been 20 years now. And I've probably asked that question every single year. Like, why wasn't it me? I was present. I was in the same water, in the same circumstances. Why not me? Why be left to deal with, you know, the hurt and the, the loneliness and all of that that comes along with it and the grief? Right. Have you undone the death wish now? Yes. Okay. So tell me about the process that you walked through in order to undo it? So it was a process of first appreciating um, the role that he played in my life Mm -hmm. and being grateful for the fact that I had an opportunity to share space with this person and then forgiving him for leaving because actually was very upset that he left. I mean, it sounds selfish, but it's reality. And um, forgiving myself for being stuck in that place, you know, not even though physically I'm moving on, mentally I am holding myself there and holding myself, you know, captive to what I thought should have been um, the perfect life instead of making best what is now given to me. Right. So you have two beautiful daughters. And when I introduced you, I said you were the wife of Ian Capron. So obviously that death was 20 years ago and you've moved on with life. So how did that even impact your marriage? Ooh. <laughs> um, subconsciously, I think that I've held my husband to, you know, the standard that I had in this person. And they're two completely different people. Like if you put them in a room together, they're completely different. And um, that was really unfair of me to expect him to be that person because he's his own individual. And, you know, I have to appreciate him for who he is and his uniqueness. And so I had to go through that journey of, you know, apologizing to him for holding him to a standard that is unfair to him and getting into that space where I'm just appreciative of who he is as a person and being thankful for him as well. Right. And there's probably so many women that are out there who had uh, a younger experience with someone And something tragic happened, and it may not even have been a death, but something would have taken that person away. And then we carry on without actually dealing with the loss and without even being consciously aware of it. Here we are positioning this new person in our lives against a memory without you being aware, without the other person being aware, and this 
elephant is in the room and you can't even face it, right? And you might even talk about it and the loss and all of that stuff, but you're not even aware of the impact of it, right? And so what words of encouragement would you offer to those who have experienced a loss um, of whether it's a what they call the ideal partner or, you know, even parents and how that might impact your relationship? Well, the advice I would give would be, first of all, you know, we can't put a timestamp on grief, but we also cannot unpack and move there. Uh, you're literally holding yourself hostage to enjoy the gift of life, um, which in any form is a gift because there's so many who don't, don't have it, right? Um, so first, you know, yes, grieve, but try at some point to start moving on and accepting what your new reality is. And if that means enlisting the help of a professional, a therapist, um, a coach, whatever the case is, um, get some help because we're not meant to do these things alone. And then just have a sense of appreciation, appreciation for what was, and now an appreciation for what is and is to come. Um, just live in gratitude because at any point in time, we just need to be grateful. Mm, love it. Love it. And one of the things that I suggest to my clients, um, you know, as they move through their journey, I, I introduce two types of journaling to them. But one of the journals that I introduce is the gratitude journal. So, you know, like sitting down at the end of every day and really recounting what did I appreciate? What right. what flowed easy? You know, what what was really good? How was I good to myself? How was I good to other people? How was God good to me in this day? You know, and I always ask for the three, you know, three ways in which the day went well, three things you really appreciated, three things you did, three things God did, you know, and as you set the stage for going to sleep, then there's this gratitude is kind of like that really, you know, high vibrating frequency. So if you go to sleep in gratitude, not only do you sleep well, but you wake well, right? You wake in that space of the vibration still being high and you just being in that space of wellness and inviting new and more wonderful things to happen, right? So it's not like the good things will disappear. The good things will continue because you're in that space of gratitude. So I love that. So as you think about the Black family and, you know, all the ways in which we want to be better, I'm asking the question, like, what's next for us? You know, like when we actually come to not just look like the white people, but when we actually come and look like ourselves, you know, when we actually become the people that we're supposed to look like, then what are you anticipating for the Black family? Like, what's your hope and what's your dream as, like, I put that out there? I think the Black family is so unique because we have such, like, a variation in our backgrounds. Like, we're mixed with everything. <laughs> right? So it's like, it's like a culture pot and it's so much history and so much um, traditions that can be passed on. Yeah. And I think if we, you know... Be intentional about that. Be intentional about our children being aware of where we're from, what we've endured, how we've overcome it. They themselves would be empowered and strengthened, you know, to really be able to realize that, hey, anything that 
comes up in my life, I have the ability to overcome because this is where I've come from. How can I finish by praying for you? Well, pray that, you know, the wounds and the trauma would be healed and made whole. Um, I struggle a lot with trying to control things. <laughs> when really and truly they're out of my control, right? Um, so pray that, you know, I would just let go and let God, you know, have his way and be able to direct and guide and make good decisions and bring up healthy kids. As I heal, I will impart that on my children as well. Wonderful. Okay, that might have been a lot for me to remember, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get the essence of it. So we're going to close in prayer. And I, I know it's, you know, probably for us as a group of people, we're listening to a podcast and we not, might not expect a prayer. But I want to be really intentional about recognizing our God I want to be intentional about, you know, that verse that comes out of Solomon. King Solomon builds the second temple. And after that, God is talking about the fact that, you know, there's going to be a generation that goes into slavery. But if they can humble themselves, right, humble themselves and pray, I will hear them and I will heal their land. Right. And so I believe we're in these territories where God can hear us. He can heal us who are the land and then he can heal the spaces that we're in, which is the land. I think the other part of that verse that is so precious to me is the fact that we are supposed to take care of the land. You know, yeah. like the land is supposed to be healthy. The world and the earth is supposed to be healthy. So from a place of humility, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace and we thank you for your mercy. And as we are in these lands and these territories uh, that once were our forefathers' captivity, place of captivity, and as we come out of the places that have enslaved our minds, even our bodies and our spirits, we humble ourselves before you. And I take your daughter, Janine, before you today, and I take her two children, Asia and London Sky, and her husband, Ian, and I pray for them. I pray for the strengthening of their family. I pray for the healing of the wounds of their family and our entire nation. I ask for you to bring us out of these places where we have been stuck in for you to heal the control, the loss of power, the loss of choice that so many of us are mourning. Father, the ways in which we have left our children and left one another, I pray that you heal the wounds that are there for the deaths, the many deaths that have occurred and the people who have left us. We pray for the healing of the hearts of those who are grieving. And so, Father, as you usher her into this place where she builds her family and she builds her homestead and she blesses even her great-grandchildren, we ask that you bless her and her children and her children's children for the generations to come. These things I pray in your mighty, mighty and wonderful name. Amen. Amen. All right. I want to thank you so much, Janine, for coming on the show. Um, it's been a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, your wisdom, I'm sure, will touch the lives of many. And so I want to thank you. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you, Dr. John, for this opportunity. 
You're welcome. And thank you for being so instrumental in my life. <laughs> you are welcome. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Hey, I'm Listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you.